Ah, oh, that's better. Hey guys, uh, please chime in to tell me whether or not this is working. Um, I am here at home. I'm not in the studio today. We, we taped uh, a lot the other day and we have a lot of content coming. Um, I wanted to discuss something that's, that's blowing up after the debate last night. Uh, and that is the role of superdelegates, because I'm noticing once again, there's a ton of misinformation and smearing happening around superdelegates. But before I even get into this, I, I just, I think it's really interesting that the, there are people in the Democratic Party right now who are messaging around process. Now, we love process here. I mean, especially if you're on my channel, uh, you eat it up. Because Bernie, of course, got screwed by the democratic process, democratic process uh, in 2016. But when you have, you know, very well-known surrogates and cable news hosts and organizations, um, their, their spokespeople, getting down into the nitty-gritty of the Unity Reform Commission or what they think is the nitty-gritty because none of them follow the Unity Reform Commission um, or know anything about it and definitely didn't go to the meetings. When they start blaming Bernie on the process, you know they're losing. And I say that because I, I want to clear up a few facts just from the get-go. The Unity Reform Commission was there to offer recommendations to improve the Democratic Party's structure and the primary process uh, and the caucus process. And of course, uh, there was a mandate that we had to reduce super, at least reduce superdelegates. Just a reminder, so you can go out there and say to everybody on Twitter, because we don't have a cable news show to spread lies. Uh, and we don't have a messaging department, you know, on every single organization to spread lies. We were in the minority on the Unity Reform Commission. The Unity Reform Commission was led by a Hillary appointee. Tom Perez had three seats. Hillary Clinton had, had the majority of the seats. We had eight people, and none of the eight wanted superdelegates, okay? So that's the beginning. Number two, the Unity Reform Commission could only offer recommendations. The rules of the Democratic Party primary were written by the DNC's Rules Committee, which was all appointed by Tom Perez. On that rules committee, you had somebody sitting there who was took part in the process of creating superdelegates. You had several superdelegates on that rules committee. So let's just be very, very clear. Bernie Sanders and whoever sat on the Unity Reform Commission, including myself, did not take part in writing the rules of the Democratic Party. That was not an elective committee that did so. So... Now that we've got some process underway, let's talk about what's going down with superdelegates. I know it's what you all want to hear. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying it's a Hail Mary. And I say that because people like Brian Fallon, who was Hillary Clinton's spokesperson last time around, even suggest that if, you know, the Democrats are very unlikely to go to the second ballot and push for superdelegates because, I mean, it would just embarrass the Democratic Party. And I think Tom Perez, I honestly do think uh, that's where Tom Perez is right now. He campaigned very hard to get the Unity Reform Commission recommendations passed. Um, he fought over superdelegates, I think, against people that had different interests in mind. And just to give you a warm-up about what's going to happen, 
superdelegates, the people who still clung to superdelegates. There's a small faction in the DNC membership that is led by old white men, very bitter white men, frankly, people who don't want reform, people who used to be in power, people who've never wanted reform way before Bernie, that were against Howard Dean's reforms. So these are the people who led the fight to keep superdelegates because, you know, they want to feel special. They want to have seats on the convention floor without having to run for DNC membership. They want to be on special committees. They want to have a say in who the presidential nominee is because they like to have a, you know, a direct line to the presidential nominee and possibly the president. They want to be in the know. They want to have access to events. They want to have great hotel rooms at the convention. They want to be invited to convention parties and concerts. It's all ego. And these are even people who are elected, to be honest. So that's that's really where it's coming from. But what they used, of course, uh, was this excuse that taking away superdelegates was disenfranchising um, women of color who were superdelegates. Now, yes, there are a few women of color who are superdelegates. But let me be very clear. Well, well over 65%. I don't know what the latest number is because we reduced it. I actually think it's higher. Of superdelegates, the majority of superdelegates are white men. One superdelegate in 2016 equaled 10,000 votes. So what we're saying right now, for every single candidate on stage who said, eh, you know, I'm not against superdelegates, they're basically saying they're okay with a bunch of white men in the back room erasing a coalition of, of diverse candidate, uh, diverse voters, a coalition of working class voters. We're talking people of color, immigrants, organizers, people who had to leave their, their jobs to go out and vote in all different, you know, in the rain, in the snow, in the heat in some situations. So a bunch of white men who want like bigger, you know, have invites to like concerts at the DNC are going to override and erase the voices of millions of diverse working class voters. That's not what the Democratic Party is. So if you want to push back on any candidates right now, this is my, my tip to you guys. I promised you tips. You're going to get them. If you want to push back on any progressive candidates in particular who say that, oh, we have to, you know, we have to respect superdelegates, you throw back and say, is it OK that a bunch of white men who want to have seats at better seats at conventions erase a, a diverse working class coalition, millions and millions of voters? I don't think so. And I just want to make it very clear that the Bernie Sanders uh, delegation, once and for all, you know, again, we were against superdelegates, have always been so. The Unity Reform Commission, we were in the minority. We took votes. I voted alongside Nina Turner. We voted against superdelegates that they should just disappear. But we were in the minority. All right. Now let's get to why everybody suddenly wants superdelegates. So many candidates who, you know, even a month ago, didn't want superdelegates, didn't believe in superdelegates. Why is it they suddenly think, oh, well, maybe uh, we should support superdelegates? I'm just going to go through some of my tweets from a few hours ago because I was getting a little uh, frustrated. Let's go from... Um, oh, this was a fun thing to wake up to this morning. I'm feisty, guys. A little feisty this morning. Okay. Well, let's just start off with this. You want to beat Trump? You got to support Bernie. Bernie right now is polling best against Trump nationwide. Do you want a diverse coalition reflective of working America? You want to support Bernie. Right now, most of the candidates in this race, with exception to, to Biden, uh, are, are frankly not supported by a diverse working class coalition. The elites are going to want to chip away at every opportunity, every attack, every smear 
You know, every story that goes away, goes out there, it chips away and moves voters to one of these other candidates that don't have a path to victory. So if you want to beat Donald Trump, you have to beat him with a diametrically opposite campaign. Michael Bloomberg, we all know that. That's not the, that's not the opposite campaign. Uh, Joe Biden's not the opposite campaign. Frankly, none of these candidates, except for Bernie Sanders, are running on a different message. You want to win back working class voters, you have to support the, class, the, the candidate who has the most working class voters. Do you want to beat Donald Trump, who has a movement and an organized and unified Republican Party? With, with the infrastructure the Koch brothers built? Well, maybe you should support the candidate that has an organized movement behind him. That is the best message I have been able to convince people that are Warren supporters, Pete supporters. I talked to a Hillary supporter a couple days ago who, who was on Hillary's team, and, and she said, you know, I don't see any of these other candidates delivering from the get-go, from the time they're a nominee, a movement to defeat Donald Trump. And any other candidate that's in this race at this point is there as a mercenary attacking Bernie Sanders. I'll get to that. Okay, so my next tweet was, oh, this is this is the other thing. So Michael Bloomberg, you know, we're all like, oh, Michael Bloomberg, he sucked last night. He's not going away, guys. He's not going away. Not only is he not going away because he's like paid off everybody, but, you know, he hasn't done a debate in a while. He was never really a great debater, but he's not going away. He's not going away. So as much as he sucked last night, he doesn't play by the rules. He's going to play dirty. He's going to lie. He's going to put out a bunch of smears on the internet. He has a lot of opposition research on Bernie Sanders that's probably false, but he's going to push it out there. He's going to attack surrogates. He's going to attack staffers. He's going to attack us. That's what they do. Okay? I'm actually the recipient, personally, of some of the people that work on his campaign. They're ruthless. They lie. They know which reporters in the media or commentators in the media, but actually reporters, are willing to lie to defeat the movement. Because some of these publications that are pushing this stuff out there are, are dependent on the real estate money, right? That, because this is New York media. New York media is a whole other animal. And that's what he knows and that's what his team knows very well. They're dependent on real estate advertisers, huge advertisers for their conferences and their ads. And so Bernie is really going against this whole idea. I mean, he wants universal rent control. He's fighting for working people um, at every le level, workers' rights. And, and, and of course, you know, these uh, news organizations are, they depend on, on the advert. Forget about Medicare for All. I mean, we all know that one, right? That pharmaceutical industry and insurance companies are advertising. But we're talking about every single industry. We are, this is class warfare. Michael Bloomberg being in this race is class warfare. So he's not going to go away. Um, you know, he, he, he's, this isn't about Twitter drama. We have to understand that, like, what happens on Twitter is one thing, and sometimes it makes the news, but we need to be able to talk to people that are Warren supporters right now and lay out why, if we want to beat Donald Trump, if we really want to beat Donald Trump, or if we want to beat Michael Bloomberg, we have to support a candidate who has a real path forward. And as of right now and moving forward, I have some great news for you guys. The only person in this race who is likely, or is most likely, the only person who has a path to getting to the magic delegate number to win the nomination is Bernie Sanders. The only candidate in this race who has any path to get the nomination is Bernie Sanders. So having all these other candidates in the race, what is their agenda? And that, that is the key here.
Sorry to bury the lead, guys. All of these other candidates will collect delegates along the way. And I think some of them are delusional in thinking that they can clinch the nomination on the second ballot if Bernie does not get to 1,991 delegates. Those are democratically elected delegates, right? So having other people in the race, sure, it's good that, that, that Pete and Amy Klobuchar are fighting each other right now. That's great. But having them in the race, they're collecting delegates. Elizabeth Warren being in this race, okay, she's collecting delegates. Whether she wants to use those delegates to potentially negotiate a deal with another candidate on the second ballot who might take those delegates, or even before the second ballot, and I'll get to that in a second, uh, all of these candidates are, are doing one of two things. They either think that they're going to be the recipient of delegates from the other campaigns and become the nominee by not winning the magic delegate number on the first ballot, or, or even worse, they're just collecting delegates to negotiate something else and pull away from Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has a path to 1,991 delegates. If he comes up the slightest bit short, I would be looking at those progressive candidates in the race right now who pull from him. Because they think, they may think, that if he doesn't hit 1,991, they can become the coalition second ballot superdelegate candidate. Because again, okay, so somebody asks, thank you. So, sorry, what are the 1,991 delegates? So to be able to win the nomination on the first ballot, right? You've heard this first ballot. Bernie Sanders needs to win 1,991 delegates. Those are the delegates that come out of Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, okay? So if he doesn't hit that number, on the first ballot, then it goes to the second ballot. And then that's when the delegates are released, meaning the delegates from the other campaigns are released, I should say. Okay, so that's when, uh, you know, if Elizabeth Warren has 45 delegates, I'm making this up, and Pete Buttigieg has 65 delegates, that's when the superdelegates come into play, and then they will decide on their own who they want to support. And so you might have, that's where, you know, Michael Bloomberg might come in and say, all right, I've got 700 superdelegates lined up. Uh, Pete, you know, I'll give you a secretary of the Navy. I'm just making this up. Secretary of, of, of defense, right? Uh, if, you, if you give me your 35 delegates, boom, he gives him the 35 delegates. Or, or in the, and I think this is where they're delusional. They're, the reason why I think they're delusional is because they're still fighting each other on stage. They all literally think that they can win on the second ballot. That's why Elizabeth Warren is saying she's the unity candidate. That's why, that's why Pete Buttigieg keeps running, knowing he's not going to get any support from people of color, that he's polling so low with people of color and nationwide. They're staying in the race because they think that they can, they can edge out and play this backroom deal, which is why it is so important, right, that Bernie Sanders wins big in all of these states. He has to get 1,991 delegates. With that being said, even if he doesn't, it is going to be so horrifying if the Democratic Party decides to override the person who has the plurality of the delegates. And these other people are going to start to look like spoilers. But I want to, I want to talk about this now because this is a sensitive subject, right? We... I have a lot of friends who are Elizabeth Warren supporters. 
um, surrogates, people on their team. I think most of them mean very well. I actually understand some of the reasoning behind why they're supporting Warren, if you can believe it or not. I choose to support Bernie Sanders um, for many reasons, uh, but I think that they would, and some of them have in the past, support Bernie Sanders. So there's a, there's a difficult dance here right now, right? We want to win their support. We need their support to get that nomination sooner, right? So how do we message that to them? I think what's very clear at this point is we have to say there's only one candidate who can beat Michael Bloomberg mathematically based on, on polling right now, based on an organizational strat uh, strategy moving forward, and of course Donald Trump. And so it's, it's, it's difficult, right? It's difficult because, you know, these other candidates, they, they're great and we believe in democracy, but there comes a point where you realize you're actually servicing Michael Bloomberg more than you're servicing your own campaign. And superdelegates, again, remember, the majority of superdelegates are white men of power, and superdelegates erase tens of thousands of voters from a, you know, a, 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 a multiracial working-class coalition. Millions of voters who took time out of their working days to go and vote, to caucus, to knock on doors, to support, and that includes, you know, Elizabeth Warren, by the way, and her supporters, all of the voters in the Democratic primary are going to be erased with superdelegates. So this is, this is really, really important. I'm going to go back to my tweets because um, I got in a little bit of a tiff with my friend Adam Green, who uh, runs the PCCC, um, and they're, they're supporting Elizabeth Warren. He's been a longtime Elizabeth Warren supporter. But I've, you know, I've known him for a long time, and we, we've agreed on pretty much everything up until maybe like a month ago, um, and our, our presidential candidates, of course. But, you know, when we were on the Unity Reform Commission trying to pass the reforms through the DNC so that it would go to the Rules Committee, and then the Rules Committee, of course, wrote the rules, um, Adam was a great ally. He was calling up press and coalition leaders, and he signed on to the Unity Reform Commission. He wanted to end superdelegates, and he would call up you know, press, and he would have these, he would host these phone calls with the press, educating them on what was going on, because it was very confusing, and a lot of the press was getting it wrong, because they weren't there in the rooms. And so Adam was a great ally, and he was against superdelegates, except today, he came out for them. So I called him out. Um, and and I, I want to highlight something, because this is, this is a little concerning to me. A lot of these people have been allies along the way, but there are some organizations out there that claim to be progressive and sometimes support progressive candidates, sometimes support other progressive candidates, but will compromise on things that we just don't think are, are, are worth compromising on, that we want to draw a line in the sand. And I think that many of these organizations, um, you know, all of the progressive organizations uh, that are not supporting Bernie Sanders, every single one of them are top down led. Uh, they don't. They don't reflect the, the votes of their members if they have members. They receive money from big, big moneyed interests and, and big organizations. And I think there's something to be said about organizations that are led by the grassroots, where they're, they're ground up. It might be, uh, sometimes the process might be slower or frustrating, but these organizations uh, listen to their, to their voters, they reflect their voter or th their members, and and the small dollar donations that make them up. 
and even new organizations that pop up. I mean, I'm part of Matriarch. We're, we're working really hard to keep the process very democratic. And it's hard because we'll get phone calls from campaigns and candidates and they want to like, you know, lobby people on our board. But we're, we're really determined to keep it as democratic as possible, even as a new organization, right? But organizations like Our Revolution or, or DSA as a, as a, as a movement, it's, it's extremely democratic and it can slow us down. But at the end of the day, I truly believe that more democracy is always better than no democracy. Democracy is messy. What's that old line? It's messy. It's difficult, but it's the best thing we have. What's the alternative here? So, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, we just, just have to keep these things in mind. I'm trying to go through anything else that I missed out on here. Um, Oh, oh, this is actually another point. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just going to read you my tweet. I'm sorry, but isn't it clear to us all that nobody in this race but Bernie Sanders has a path um, uh, towards earning the plurality of delegates? They want superdelegates because they've tricked themselves into believing they can barter to get others out of the race, huh, <laughs> towards a brokered convention. Many of these campaigns that are staying afloat and saying that they have a path to victory are doing so because their consultants want to keep riding the gravy train and they'll convince their supporters and donors that there is a path and maybe even their candidates who are not are disillusioned, right? That they have a path forward when it's very clear that they cannot earn the magic delegate number. There's one candidate who can get to that magic delegate number on the first ballot. And if we want to beat Donald Trump, and we don't want to erase millions and millions of diverse working class votes, then why are you in the race? What are you doing? What are you doing at this point? I'm not even going to say spoiler because I think this is something else now. I believe in democracy. Again, I believe in democracy. But our country did not prepare for the campaign finance situation when we were we're writing the rule. I mean, first off, the primary process is, is something that we created. It is not something that's constitutional or not. It's a private party that gets you access to, ball to, to ballot positioning, right? And so the private party is deciding through an, a, a pseudo-democratic process. It's not democratic. The people who wrote the rules of the, of, of, of the party's primary were all anointed by Tom Perez. So they're writing the rules about whether or not we should have superdelegates and then referring to this democratic process of the Unity Reform Commission, which was all appointed. And, you know, it's, it's an illusion of democracy. Listen, I was on the Unity Reform Commission. I wasn't elected to be there. I was appointed by Bernie Sanders. I, I believe that Bernie Sanders had the right ideas, but none of us were elected to be on the Unity Reform Commission. And then an even worse uh, committee, the Rules Committee, totally appointed, has, you know, is writing the rules of the primary. That's not democracy. That's not what the founders intended. And the founders didn't intend to, to they didn't anticipate having uh, campaigns, having to raise a billion dollars. They can buy ad space on, on Super Tuesday. They didn't anticipate money being funneled through super PACs and, and other committees and C4s and down to state parties and back up. They didn't anticipate any of this stuff. They didn't anticipate a candidate coming into the race who made a all of his money offshore through transactional fees or whatever he did to make his money or worse. All right. Well, I can't tell if you hear me or not, but um, on that note, I was going to wrap up anyways and just give you guys a quick plug. Uh, as you know, per usual, you if you are not subscribing, please subscribe. I'm sure you are because this is through the live. 
Uh, if you haven't signed up to go to my Patreon, please, please do. We are trying to produce more content and we want to do more explainers. And that means we need to have the staff to do that because I don't know how to edit a video clearly. I mean, the fact that I can do this is kind of amazing. Um, so please go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. And I see if you want to ask me a question, great way is to become a patron. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm trying to check them regularly, the questions. Uh, I will... I, I've been listening to you guys to, to explain stuff. Superdelegates was a big topic, and I was waiting for the right moment, and I think last night was was the great... Um, it, it was the inspiration for me to, to relay how Superdelegates are going to play out uh, in this election. And you'll get more of that. Uh, if you are planning to be in L.A. for Super Tuesday, uh, please, please, you know, understand that Super Tuesday is March 3rd. Several states on Super Tuesday, Los Angeles, California in general, is a, is a big state for Bernie to win. We are hosting a live show with Michael Brooks, Alona Minkowski, Francesca Fiorentini, Nando Vila, LA Charger Justin Jackson, David Diane, and who else am I missing? Anybody else? I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Lucy Flores. Oh my God, of course. And myself. We are going to be doing a live show there, and you can get your tickets um, at bit.ly slash LA Super Twos, uh, capital S, capital T. It is in in my bio, I think. <laughs> um, this is the live, so I can't put the link up, but, uh, just it's, if you go to my, my Instagram, um, I've, I've got it up there on Instagram at Nomi Keyconst. You guys are amazing. Uh, I will try to do more of these. I was feeling very inspired to do so. And hopefully I'll do more when I'm back in the studio and maybe I'll even build something in my own apartment, but gotta raise that money to do it. I'm not rich. <laughs> All right. Take care guys. Have a good, good night. Good day. Now someone needs to tell me how to turn this off. <laughs>